Summer Christ Chapel. I, I feel like now that we're into May, I feel like it's, it's summertime. And I know that in, in a sense, it feels like summer started early with the schools uh, not returning, et cetera. And I, I know many of you are just like, can, can I get a vacation? That, that's what I need is a summer vacation. And I, I know if anybody deserves one, my wife deserves a vacation. She has, has been a trooper as she's now become a homeschool teacher. And uh, she is just uh, killing it at home, doing a great job uh, with our boys, teaching them, et cetera. But I know she would love a vacation as we've talked about just kind of daydreaming about getting away. I know exactly where my wife would want to get away. This is where she would wanna go. And, and you've probably thought to yourself, man, I, I, would, I would love to just get away. I mean, how, how peaceful does that, does that look? Now, I can guarantee you, if I have a choice, I'm not going there because I hate sand. I do not wanna go anywhere with sand. It gets stuck on you and you never get rid of it. So I have a different idea of a, a, a peaceful vacation and I would rather go to the mountains. I mean, doesn't that look, that, doesn't that look peaceful? You, you get away, you can, you can get by yourself. You, you escape all the problems of this quarantine stuff. If we could just get to a peaceful place, then we could experience peace, right? I mean, logically, that's what, we, that's what we all think. But in reality, that's not true. Hardly any of us can escape to a peaceful place because when we get to that peaceful place, we struggle to have the peace of mind. In fact, Jen and I found a show that we've liked. It's, it's from the History Channel, but it's a show called Alone. And it's where all of these survivalists are dropped off on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, alone. And they're even given the camera equipment where they're supposed to film themselves. And essentially, it's the last man standing wins half a million dollars. And you, you see all the struggles that, that these folks have to survive. But the thing that they struggle with the most are not the elements, it's not the constant rain, it's not the 100% of humidity, it's not even the predators, the, the bears and the, the cougars and the wolves. What they struggle with most is their mind. What they battle most are, are their thoughts, uh, uh, the, the peace of mind so that they can persevere through their circumstances. You see, they, they get to a place where they are uninhibited by any of the circumstances of the world. They're, they're all by themselves. You would think, man, we can just get to a peaceful place, then we'll be at peace. But it's not true, because to get to a peaceful place, you have to have a peaceful mind. You see, so often what we forget is our thoughts affect our peace. And I, and I wanna show you how, how that works because oftentimes we forget this progression that we have in, in our lives. You see, our thoughts affect our emotions and then our emotions affect our actions and then obviously actions have consequences. This is the progression that, that is really natural to us but oftentimes we overlook what we're thinking about and we run to the emotions that we're feeling and we feel anxious, or we feel worried, or we feel claustrophobic and cooped up, or we feel sad or depressed. And because we feel this, we run to actions to try to cope with them. But then we, 
end up reaping negative consequences because our actions to cope with the emotions are things like substances or escape or you end up using people or abusing drugs or, 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 or whatever it is. You see, because we try to cope with the emotions that we feel and we don't think about what thoughts are causing the emotions that lead to unhealthy actions and then unintended consequences. You see, we've got to get back to the peace of mind if we wanna experience the peace of emotions that lead to peaceful actions that reap peaceful consequences. You see, if we want to experience you know, shelter in peace or the peace of mind or if we want to rest in God's peace, then we've got to wage war in the battlefield of the mind. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So if you would, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. We're gonna be talking about uh, that war for peace that, is, that begins in the battlefield of the mind. And I need to make a quick disclaimer because we're gonna be talking about the very complex mind. And the way that I want to approach the peace of mind that we're gonna talk about is through a spiritual lens. And the reason why I'm gonna approach it through a spiritual lens is because that's all I'm qualified to talk about. Uh, there are many mental illnesses that require physician's assistance, it requires uh, medication, et cetera, all those things. I, I'm not qualified to talk about that but I do know that you can't separate those things from the spiritual, and sometimes those things need to be coupled. They're really real mental illnesses that need professional help, but what I wanna approach this, uh, this peace of mind through is the spiritual lens through Philippians chapter four. So we're gonna finish our series today on sheltering in peace as we face those different battles that come with this quarantine, being, being confined, and that's why we've talked about repairing relationships in week, in week one. And then we talked about having an attitude of gratitude last week when Ben talked about Philippians chapter four, four through seven. And, and Paul had the audacity, remember, in those verses to say, hey, rejoice always. Hey, hey, don't be anxious about anything. You, you, don't need, you don't need to worry about anything. Just, just pray with thanksgiving. Just, just give those requests to God. And I know those commands and imperatives can seem so trite that you think Paul has to be saying those things to, to us from an isolated beach or from a, a, a mountain as he's lounging in a hammock. But no, 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 no. Remember, Paul is in prison he is under house arrest in Rome. He's quarantined. And remember, Rome is about 800 miles from Philippi. I said it was 4,600. If you didn't catch my apology, I apologize. I was completely wrong. It's about 800 miles. But he is under house arrest in prison. And he's in prison when he says, have an attitude of gratitude. Don't be anxious about anything. And you go, how does he do this? In fact, he, he, if you look at Philippians chapter four, verse 12, in Philippians chapter four, verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret of being content. He learned the secret to be at peace, even when he was under house arrest, even when he was in prison, even when his circumstances were not ideal. He couldn't escape to a beach. He couldn't escape to a mountain, yet... He had found peace. He had found the secret to contentment. What, what is this secret? 
But I think the secret is this. It's that pure thoughts lead to a peaceful life. That's the secret. Pure thoughts lead to a peaceful life. See, Paul's circumstances didn't change. They weren't ideal. And none of your circumstances are ideal right now. No one's are. And you say, gosh, if I could just change the circumstances, change the setting, change all of the things around me, the surroundings, then I would be at peace. No, no, no. Those, 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 that peaceful life, it begins with pure thoughts. That's what he talks about in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Look at it with me. It says, finally, brothers, and, and obviously sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul gives us this list of things to, to think about. And then he says, all of these kind of thoughts, think about these things. And that word think doesn't mean just, get, just give it a quick thought. That word think actually means dwell, to, to, to reside, to, to drill down into, to meditate on, to, to sit with. He says, if anything is, is true, commendable, excellent, lovely, praiseworthy, honorable, think about, dwell on those kind of things. He says, if you want a peaceful life, then it begins with pure thoughts. There was a study done by the University of Tennessee, and it was, in, it was back in the early 80s. So this is, a, this is an old study, but I think it still rings true. And it was a 12-year study done by the university where they gave uh, two groups of people five minutes a day of news. But one group listened to five minutes of news of day that, that was just benign news. I mean, it, it was like, here's the traffic, here's the weather. I mean, it was just kind of uh, emotionally neutral news. The other group listened to five minutes of news that was negative, negative of tragedies, of accidents, of natural disasters, all, all of these horrible things. And these two groups listened to five minutes of news, their specific kind of news, for 12 years. Uh, and you would think, five minutes a day is nothing. Shouldn't affect them. After 12 years, here's what they found. The ones that listened to the benign news were relatively unaffected. But the ones who had listened to the five minutes of negative news a day for 12 years were more depressed. They were less likely to help others to be compassionate, to be helpful. They, they were more likely to have a negative outlook on life. And they began to think that the things that they had heard about, the tragedies, accidents, natural disasters, would end up happening to them. You see, what this study teaches us is that those five minutes a day, no matter how small that may seem, ended up forming their worldview. It, it formed their entire thought process. They were more worried, more anxious, more depressed. They had a negative outlook on life, all because of five minutes a day. They weren't at peace. 
You see, pure thoughts lead to a peaceful life. And that's what Paul says. It begins in the battlefield of the mind. If we wanna be at peace in our emotions, at peace in our heart, then it starts with our heads. And I've wanted to be very practical with you in this series, Sheltering in Peace, to give you some things that you can do and apply immediately. And so I wanna approach these pure thoughts from two different standpoints, a positive and a negative, to give you some, some really practical things so that you can be equipped to fight on the battlefield of the mind. And so the first one is this, to be, to be very intentional. You have to proactively pursue praiseworthy thoughts. If you're gonna win on the battlefield of the mind, you have to proactively pursue praiseworthy thoughts. Here, here's another thing with, with science. Did you know that you may think you can multitask in different ways, but your brain consciously can only hold one thought at a time? Just, just one thought. It, you, you can only think on one thing. You can't, you can't multitask in your mind, in your, in your conscience. You have to think about one thing. That's why you have to proactively put into your mind the thing that you know you need to be thinking about. You've gotta pursue those praiseworthy thoughts. Now here's why I said praiseworthy thoughts is because I could give you, I, we, we could go back to verse eight and I could give you all the nuances of all those wonderful words, what's true, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, all those things. Lovely, that's the only place that word is used in the New Testament. There, I've given you one thing, okay? But it doesn't do us any good if I just give you all the nuances of those New Testament words. And you just go, oh, okay, cool, cool. That, that, that's great. So I wanna just summarize. What Paul's calling us to think on is anything that is praiseworthy. Would, would God praise you for the things that you're thinking about? Would you praise God for the things that you're thinking about? You see, I think it can all be boiled down to that. Because if we're not being praised by God for the things that we're thinking, then it's probably not praiseworthy. It prob probably shouldn't be proactively put in our mind. And that's where this becomes distinctively Christian. Because I wanna be clear, I'm not talking about just positive thinking. I'm not talking about thinking of puppies and unicorns and rainbows and then that'll make all your problems disappear. I'm talking about thinking about what's true. God is true and he will praise you for thinking about him. Whatever is noble, commendable, all those things. It starts about thinking of, on God, thinking about him. And so we proactively begin to think about him. So let me give you some very practical things you can do to pursue putting these praiseworthy thoughts in your mind. So the first one is this, be still and know that he is God. It's really simple. Be still and know that he is God. Are, are, you, are you still? And I know that you are quarantined, but you're probably stir crazy rather than being still. And Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted above the earth. You know, I think one of the things we can do proactively, if we wanna get our minds right, is to simply just be still. Be still. That, that means sit down. That means turn off your phone. Get away from any distractions. Turn off 
the television. Just, just be still. And I know that might seem incredibly awkward. You're like, I don't know what to do right now. And, and honestly, that comes, we're all, myself included, addicted to our devices. And, and, and you're immediately gonna wanna go to it. That's why you need to turn it off. And would you just be still? Embrace the awkward silence and meet with God. Because your, your peace doesn't just come from being still. Don't forget the and. And know that he is God. But you won't be able to know that he is God until you are still and you can be able to hear from him. Remember in 1 Kings 19, when God speaks to Elijah, remember, he hides Elijah in the cleft of the rock and, and, and then he comes and, and all these things happen, all these natural things. There's an earthquake, there's a great wind, there is fire. And this isn't the you know, American band, Earth, Wind, Fire. These were natural disaster things going on. But God wasn't in any of those things. Then it says that God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. See, oftentimes I think we're not still enough to hear God's still, small voice. You gotta be still. If we're gonna be proactive, proactively be still. Eliminate all those distractions around you so that you can know that he is God, that he is in control and that he will be exalted above the nations. He will be exalted above the earth. He is sovereign. Next, use godly standards for what you're gonna think about, not worldly standards. Use godly standards for what you're gonna think about, not worldly standards. Uh, Philippians 4.8 is oftentimes called the Philippians 4.8 filter Meaning, think about all of these, all of those adjectives, whatever's praiseworthy, true, noble, commendable, lovely, excellent, all those things. And if your thoughts can't filter through that, then you shouldn't think about it. And that's why I just summarized it all as, is it praiseworthy? But think about that as a filter, using that as your standard. Do I have godly standards for what I put in my mind or do I have worldly standards? That's why I like Colossians chapter three, verse two. It just says, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. What that tells me is our thought life can be very black and white. It's either on things above or it's on earthly things. And it's in our mind where we begin to blur those lines and make it more gray when we justify what we want to do, what we want to listen to, what we want to watch, what we want to fantasize about. All of those things become really gray when we start trying to justify the difference between things above and things on earth. You've got to set a different standard, a godly standard rather than a worldly standard. And I know some of the ways that we justify the things that we put into our minds is by what everyone else is talking about. Well, you gotta get caught up on that a show or you gotta listen to that podcast or you gotta get in on that gossip. You gotta look at that blog. You gotta look at that social media post, that Instagram, that whatever, because that's what everybody else is talking about. And you don't wanna be left out. You've got to set a godly standard, not a worldly standard. There are things that uh, people will recommend. And let me, just, let me just say, I am not perfect in this at all. I mean, I, I, come on, I watched Tiger King, all right? I, I, I'm not perfect in this at all. I, that, that probably wasn't praiseworthy. So I'm not perfect in this. 
But I'm telling you that there are things that people will recommend to you and you go, oh, well, they're watching it. Well, uh, they're talking about it. That doesn't mean that it's okay for you. You have to take responsibility for the thoughts that you're allowing into your mind. That's why I use that word proactive. You need to take responsibility for that. And there have been, there have been shows that people have recommended to me and Jen, and we turn it on, and we, we end up having to turn it off, and we're like, you know what? That just that doesn't take my heart and mind to a good place. And we just have to respect one another and say, that's not good. So use a godly standard rather than a worldly standard. And then finally, the last proactive piece that you can do is talk, don't listen to your heart. Talk, don't listen to your heart. Now this is very counterintuitive for the way that we've raised uh, this whole generation up these days. This generation, this current generation has been raised and just listen to your heart. Follow your heart. Let me tell you what the Bible says about your heart and my heart. Jeremiah 17, nine says, our heart is wicked and deceitful. If you follow your heart, if you listen to your heart, you're gonna follow it to wicked and deceitful places because you can't trust all of your emotions. That's not what we should be following. If you follow that, you're gonna end up in a train wreck. I'll give you a great example. There's a new uh, Bachelor show that's just out and I actually haven't watched it I have watched The Bachelor before, but I haven't watched this new Bachelor show that's called Listen to Your Heart, where they try to pair up musicians. I just saw a commercial for it. And you, you say, oh my gosh, how, how sweet and how passionate does that seem? Folks, it's a train wreck. It's, that's, it's a train wreck, which is the only reason why you're watching it. You wanna see those people just shatter to pieces, which shows that your heart is wicked and deceitful, just like mine. You see, that's why we don't need to listen to our hearts. We need to talk to our hearts. We need to tell our hearts what to believe. Rather than letting our emotions inform our thoughts, we need to let God's truth inform our emotions. And that's what David is doing in Psalm 103. In Psalm 103, David begins with saying, soul or heart. Heart, why are you sad? Why are you downcast? And he says, don't forget the Lord's benefits. He's the one who heals our diseases. He's the one who binds up our wounds. Who's David talking to? He's talking to himself. That's why you've got to proactively talk to your heart. Don't listen to your heart. Inform your heart of the things that are true, noble, praiseworthy, admirable, commendable, honorable, all of those things. So be proactive in pursuing those pure thoughts because pure thoughts lead to a peaceful life. But I'm also not naive enough to think that, uh, you know, our, everything that's gonna go on after this sermon in your brain is, you know, Disney rated G. I, I get it. I understand that negative thoughts pop into your mind. And so I've got to equip you with the strategy of what happens when negative thoughts come in or negative emotions. And so I've gotta talk about that as well. So you need to be equipped to reactively counter destructive thoughts. You've gotta reactively counter destructive thoughts. Proactively pursue those praiseworthy thoughts, but then reactively counter destructive ones. Because the battlefield of the mind can destroy your life. When the battles are fought there, which is where the battlefield is, it can really destroy your peace. The things that you think can destroy your life. That's what that study showed us. That's what the thought pattern shows. It's why God pursues your mind. 
It's why he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is out for your mind. He doesn't just want your heart. He wants your mind as well. And so I've got to tell you how to reactively counter those destructive thoughts that come in. So the first one is this. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. And I know that sounds super uh, weird, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul says that he takes every thought captive and makes it obedient to Christ. You see, oftentimes the thoughts that we have in our mind, we don't take captive. And when you think about a captive, a captive is controlled. A captive is confined. It's, it's restricted in its movement. And so often we get a thought in our mind and we let it run wild. And those destructive thoughts that we let run wild end up destroying our minds. They destroy our mental health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, all because we don't take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Let me tell you how I think about this. Uh, This is a weird analogy, but it's just Cody weirdness. Just go with me. When, When I think about taking thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ, I started thinking this two decades ago, but it's just how I have to think about it. When a thought pops into my mind that I know is a destructive thought, I imagine it as this like wild stallion, this, this wild horse that is just gonna run around, run loose. And what I have to do is mentally put a fence around that. And then I have to back away from it. And I have to distance myself from that thought. And then I say, okay, Jesus, if I'm gonna make every thought captive and make it obedient to you, now you have to go tame that thought. I need your help to tame that thought and do away with it because that doesn't need to run wild in my mind. It needs to be confined and it needs to be brought into submission to Jesus. And what he says is pure and noble and lovely and admirable and all those wonderful things in Philippians 4, 8. Do not let those destructive thoughts run wild in your mind. You've got to quarantine, to be very relevant, quarantine those thoughts and make them, hold them captive. Don't let them run wild. And then make them obedient to Christ. Say, Jesus, you go look at that thought. Should that thought be running around in my mind? Or do you need to take that somewhere else and remove that thought as far as the east is from the west? So take every thought captive. Next, discard strongholds that destroy. Discard strongholds that destroy. This is a really important point. Because so often we have triggers in our life that, that make us think things that we shouldn't be thinking. And if we allow strongholds that, that and when I talk about strongholds, I mean those things that are almost like magnet, magnetic to our thoughts, that pull our thoughts in directions they don't need to go. If we don't remove strongholds, then strongholds become hamster wheels, and you know what hamster wheels are. You've seen a hamster wheel, a hamster get on a hamster wheel where they run and run and run and all they do is stay in the same place. And the temptation that they think that, uh, that, uh, that you think you run away from, all it does is circle right back around and it's right in front of your face. 
And you've gotta be intentional about discarding those strongholds in your life. That's what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 10 verse four, the verse right before the one we just talked about. He says that we have been equipped in Christ, not, not just with positive thoughts, again, not about unicorns, rainbows, and puppies, but in Christ, you have been given the spiritual weapons through the power of the Holy Spirit to discard these strongholds to destroy those, to overcome those strongholds by the power of God's spirit. You have been given divine power in that by the power of God, and you need to use it because strongholds will end up destroying your lives. And this is a place where you can't justify keeping those triggers or strongholds around because they'll just keep coming right back around. And the faster you think you run away from it, it's right back in front of you again and you run, 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 and run, and you feel futile. That's enslavement, because you won't destroy those strongholds. You won't take those out of your life. And I'll I'll give you some examples. Let's start with a very easy one. Some of you struggle with worry and anxiety with everything going on in our world today. Turn off the television. Turn off the news. Gosh, I won't be crazy and tell you to get rid of your television, but turn it off. I know people that they wake up and they turn on the news and it is literally on all day long. And I I, I watch it, it's breaking news every 10 minutes. And they're telling the same breaking story. They are preying on your fear, (laughs) causing you worry and anxiety. That's a stronghold. That's a trigger for your emotional health. That, that cause you to spiral down in fear and anxiety. Turn it off, destroy the stronghold. Or maybe you struggle with comparison. Maybe you struggle with all of those things of, well, look at what everybody else is doing. You struggle with covetousness and you, and you, and you watch the, the different ways that other people live their lives. Get off of social media. I know people that have literally deleted their accounts deleted their Twitter, deleted their Facebook, deleted their Instagram. And you know what? Every one of those who has, they're glad that they did. Everybody. I haven't heard one person go, I deleted it. And gosh, I miss it so much. They're like, I am so glad. If you're struggling with those things or gossip or, or get rid of it. If you're struggling with bitterness, then stop being this, stop looking into people's lives and becoming more and more bitter about what's going on in theirs. Destroy those strongholds. Maybe maybe you are are struggling with a substance. Stop justifying the substance to cope with your life. It really is a problem. You need to hear that. And maybe there are even other people in your lives that are telling you it's a real problem. Listen to them. It's a real problem. You need to discard the stronghold. Totally, get rid of the alcohol, get rid of the drugs. You need to get it out of your life. Or or maybe you're struggling with looking at illicit images. Maybe you are looking at things that you shouldn't look about and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be PG because there are kids in the room. Maybe you're looking at things that you shouldn't be. Get rid of your stuff. Get rid of it. Burn it. Burn the boats. Don't give yourself an opportunity to return. Just completely get rid of it. I I know a guy who struggled with that. 
And I so respect him for this. You know what he did? He literally discontinued the internet service to his house and he left his laptop at work so that when he went home, he literally burned the boats. So he had no opportunity to get to any of that stuff. And he's so glad that he did. And I know that sounds really radical, but some of you need to take a radical step right now. That's exactly what you need because you're tired of being on the hamster wheel. You're tired of saying you'll never do that again and you try to run away from it and it comes right back because you've not dealt with the stronghold. And when you don't discard strongholds, strongholds become hamster wheels. And it's not just discarding those strongholds. You might need professional help, but you can certainly have a camaraderie and a help in that, which is the last one to reactively counter. You need to open up to others about struggles and commitments. Open up to other people about struggles and commitments. You need to tell somebody else because you think you can deal with it on your own and you can't. None of us can. That's why you have to tell somebody else, not only about what you're struggling with, but also about the commitments that you're gonna make. Because see, I know, I know you genuinely believe that you make that commitment to yourself and you beat yourself up and you say, I'm never gonna do that again, I'm never gonna do that again, and then you do it again. And you never told anybody else to help you. You never told anybody else that could hold you accountable, that could pray for you, that could be an accountability for, part, partner for you. That's why you need a commitment. Job 31.1, Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a woman a way that I shouldn't. Do you know how, who he says that to though? In the context of Job 31, do you know who he's talking to? He's talking to his friends. He's talking to his friends. He says it out loud. And you need to say something out loud. You need to, you need to proactively deal with the, the thoughts that you can put in your mind, but reactively you need to go, let's get this into the light. And getting it into the light means saying it out loud, saying it to someone who can help you, someone who can support you. I was talking to a friend this week and shared a, this quote, and, and I learned this from Dr. Doug Cecil. Thank you, Doug. It was, a burden shared is a burden halved, cut in half. A blessing shared is a blessing doubled. Some of you, need, you're carrying the burden all by yourself. You need to share it so that you're not carrying it all alone because as Galatians 6 teaches us, we're to carry one another's burdens. And if you try to carry it alone in the dark, it's not gonna work for you. It's not gonna work for you. So that's how you've got to reactively counter those destructive thoughts that are gonna destroy your peace. They're gonna destroy your mental peace, your spiritual peace, and sometimes even your physical peace as well. And this is gonna take a lot of practice, a lot of practice. And that's why Paul goes in and he begins to tell us that a peaceful life comes through practice. A peaceful life is only gonna come through practice. You can't just do this one time. You can't just think a, a, a pure thought once and then go, okay, God, where's your peace? You have to practice it. And what's interesting to me is that when we, well, let's read verse nine. Read verse nine, and I wanna point something out to you. It says, what you have learned, this is Paul talking to the church in Philippi, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And if you practice them, look what happens. The consequence, remember, thought, emotion, action, consequence, the consequence, and the God of peace will be with you if you practice these things. 
Now, what's interesting is this word practice, because when we think of the word practice, we think of failure, that you've got to practice something to make it perfect, that, that, that you know, practice makes perfect. That's the, the phrase we always think about. But what he means here when he says practice is not, is not failing all the time, which there will be plenty of failures in your life and mine as we try to think pure thoughts that lead to a peaceful life. But what he means by practice here is making it a part of your life. You know how um, I've heard it said of these different careers like doctors and lawyers, they have a practice. And what that means is hopefully they're not practicing on us. <laughs> what that means is that it's, it's their life. It's what they've given their life to. It's what they do every day. And if you want the peace of God and the God of peace to be with you, then you've got to make all of these pure thoughts that lead to a peaceful life a practice, part of your lifestyle. Make it what you've been called to, to be, called to do. Integrate it into your life. And it starts with the word of God. And I actually found something I thought was very helpful because the, the things that are, that are pure and noble, lovely, all those wonderful things, those are all, I mean, where it starts is in God's word, learning who God is and how he applies to our life. And I thought of a very practical way to make uh, all of those pure thoughts a habit of our life. Uh, I read seven ways that you, that you can make the word of God a part of your life, a, a lifestyle. And it was uh, read it, obviously, study it, means go in depth, look at the cross references, all of those wonderful things, meditate on it, sit with just one verse over and over, thinking about it, dwelling on it, memorize it, pray it, practice it, and share it. I thought, man, what, what a great way. Man, if we were doing that with the word of God every day, how much more peaceful would your life be? Making it your practice, making it your lifestyle, walking with God. You see, because we've got to make it our habit to shelter in the God of peace. You need to make it your habit to shelter in the God of peace. That's, that, that's the only, see, we all want the peace of God. But the peace of God will never be given to you apart from the God of peace. I think that's Paul's secret. That's what Paul's talking about. When he says in verse 12, I have learned the, the secret of being content. What does he follow that up with? Philippians chapter 4, 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Your peace will only be as strong as your shelter. And if you're walking habitually with the God of peace, then you'll experience the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God apart from the God of peace. It's just not possible. But that's why Jesus came to lay down his life for us, so that he could be the bridge to the God of peace, so that you no longer had to be an enemy of God, but you could now be a friend of his, who now have all the divine power in you, the spirit of God, to destroy strongholds, to allow you the pure thoughts that lead to a peaceful life. That's why we've got to make him our shelter. We've got to run to him. Make it a part of your life. Make it a part of your day. One of the things that we've been given as a church 
to remember that Christ is our shelter, that through him all things are possible. Through him we can do all things. Through him we can repair relationships. Through him we can have an attitude of gratitude. Through him we can have peaceful thoughts, pure thoughts that lead to a peaceful life. One of the things that we've been given as a church to remember that is the remembrance of communion. And so I've asked our South Campus pastor, Micah Barnum, to help lead us in that ordinance. In just a moment, we are gonna take communion. So if you wanna go ahead and distribute your elements, now would be a great time to do that. Cody reminded us of this important truth that pure thoughts lead to a peaceful life. And this is such an important thing for us to grab hold, uh, grab hold of because the things that get our attention, they get us. And so if our attention is settled on things that are, are pure, things that are praiseworthy, things that pull our attention up to God, then we will find the warm blessing of being near him. But if we go the other way and we do not choose things that are pure to think about, then we will find ourselves to always be worrying about tomorrow. If we let our minds think on things that are, that are immoral, things that are debased, then we will continually find ourselves to be unsatisfied and under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If we don't fight against those destructive thoughts, then we will get everything that comes down that road. And, and friends, the, the scriptures are clear. That road does not lead to peace. So if you were to gauge this last month, how have your thoughts been? Have you been doing some of the things that Cody talked about? Have you made time to simply be still, to know that God is God? Are you taking your thoughts and pointing them upward on the Lord and not leaving them on the things of this world? Are you striving to take every thought captive to him? As we do these things, we find peace. But you know, as we fail to do these things, the great thing is we find grace. Our Father knew that even with our best efforts of purity, we would not be pure. And because our God is rich in mercy and he loved us so much, he sent his son to be our rescuer even when we were running away from him. Jesus died for our sins that we might have peace. He took our penalty so we could enjoy his peace. And so church, I wanna invite you today to worship at the communion table, celebrating what Jesus has done. Now I realize that taking communion in this way may feel a bit unorthodox. It, it may feel odd to not be all gathered together to take communion. But you know, the church is not a building, it's a people. And we have been united in our worship of the Lord as we have been singing. We've been united as we've heard from the truth from scripture. And so even though I know we want to be back together with each other, we are united in what we have been thinking about and we are united by the spirit. And so I wanna invite you to take communion today and to worship him. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had 
given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take and drink. Let us pray. Father, we celebrate that we have peace as we walk in your ways. We know that it is true and it is good. But we also know that we deeply need your grace to help us. So would you let our hearts rejoice at things that are praiseworthy? Would you help us to focus our desires and our interests on you and your will and the good things that you have for us? Please help us in our moments of weakness. Remind us of who we are and you, we are the beloved children of the King, that we would earnestly and lovingly seek after you. In Jesus' name.